0: You are entitled to have it. You worked hard to get to this point. Going through a STEM curriculum in college and in grad school, it's not easy. We worked very hard to get where we did. And so why not enjoy it? Why not make the best of it?
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all of the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, we talk with Priya about her journey of
2: struggling with infertility and becoming a mother through IVF while also pursuing a career in STEM. Hello, and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I am so excited to have you here today and really just get this conversation started. So how about you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners?
0: Hey, Sarah, I'm so happy to be here. Before I introduce myself, I have to say my favorite episode is episode 18. Everybody, please go back and listen to episode 18. It just, it touched me on so many levels. It was just, it's beautiful. There's no better way to describe it. It's beautiful. Um, So anyway, um, I'll leave the gushing aside for now. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Priya. I am an engineer and scientist by training. I have a master's and PhD in chemical engineering. I grew up in India and moved to the US you know, almost a decade ago. Wow, time really flies. Um, currently, I'm a program manager at Amazon. So my day job, so to say, is um, driving efficiencies in the systems we use to manage innovation at Amazon. So Amazon being the most innovative company in the world, according to me, um, it's definitely a very, very interesting and and fun job that I'm enjoying right now. Uh, Previously, I was at ExxonMobil for... Almost seven years, I did a lot of everything at ExxonMobil being in research, being in the lab, right? Being out in operations, having a desk job. It's like everything that you can imagine an engineer doing, ExxonMobil gave me the opportunity to do. So it was, it was amazing. That's, that's what I do in my day job. Beyond that, I have two kids, both conceived through IVF. We had a long um, infertility journey before we had our kids. And I'm at a point now where I like to make the right noise about infertility. Um specifically, what struck me, Sarah, in going through my journey is how little we know or talk about infertility in STEM. So, you know, you could go on YouTube, Sarah, and, and look up infertility, and you see all these stories about women who are sharing what they're going through, but there's actually nothing almost about women in STEM and what exactly the role of infertility is in career advancement, right? And so um, Indra Nooyi, I think, famously said, There's always a conflict between the the career clock and biological clock are always in conflict, right? And that really resonated with me, sir. I read that, I think, many, many years ago before I even started trying to have kids. And then over time, (laughs) that particular quote just took me from like just feeling sad and depressed to now feeling enthusiastic and energetic about it and wanting to drive a change in that space. So that's where I am now. Um, I write on my blog, com, So check it out if anybody's interested.
2: Yeah, I definitely feel that in a sense of, you know, women in STEM or or women that are pursuing a career, and then also trying to pursue having a family. Those things can be very conflicting. And, you know, for me, like it was, in college up until 21, 22 and then like settling into my relationship with my then boyfriend, then becoming like fiance. And then like once we were married, it was still even like a year after we were married until we were really like, okay, like let's try for kids. So then at that point I was already, I guess, 27. Mm-hmm. And now with our second, I'm 31. So like you really start to like get up there in age. And if I would have, you know, went for further education, or or anything beyond that, it would have been delayed, even more. And so I think that's something that like you said, like, it's not often talked about, you don't see very many women that are in that STEM field really kind of like sharing their stories or, or seeing, you know, even infertility, issues like maybe you start trying if we would have started trying and it had taken us years it would have uh you know really extended that journey for us so what was that like you know you going through your education starting off your career and then getting to a point that you were ready to start a family yeah, that's such an astute observation, Sarah. And
0: that's exactly what happens to women. And and like I said, nobody talks about it, right? So I got married to my husband when I was 25. And I was in, in my PhD program at the time. And similar to what you described, it was a conscious decision. It was a choice we made to say, we're not going to have children until I finished my PhD and get a job, right? I think it's also a little bit of the immigrant mentality where you want to make sure that you have secured your financial future right before you about other things so that's where i came from um in my head thinking i have this choice i'm going to make this decision right and then when i was around 28 i was working at ExxonMobil. it had been i think a couple of years 28 29 and we said okay let's start trying to have a family and then we were just having miscarriages after miscarriages and it really hit me hard sarah at the time because you know, we we I think you and I are in our generation. We think about us as women having these choices, right? Having this power to make these decisions, and then when that backfires, I I think I, I I really took a hit. And I talk about it, you know, in my blog and other venues, you know, like like your own. And I'm very transparent about saying those couple of years directly impacted my promotion, my performance at work. There's just no other way around it, right? It's a difficult time for for anyone to go through and so you know you have to walk into work and pretend everything is okay and it's all unicorns and rainbows but in your head you know it's not and um, for me I think personally I don't think I did a very good job at managing what was going on in my body and in my mind and in my heart with what I was doing in my day job as an engineer right? So uh, definitely impacted my career, set me back by a couple of years, who knows, maybe even a few years, right? And then um, eventually, we, we we were lucky, our IVF cycles did work. So I had my daughter who's now four. And then during COVID, actually, I, I again, through IVF, I had my son who is now one and a half. Um, it's definitely an interesting journey. And like I said, that intersection between your career and what's going on in your body is, it's just crazy.
2: Yeah. So obviously now you talk about your miscarriages and you talk about your infertility journey and IVF and everything. But when that was occurring, your very first miscarriage, you know, like how far along were you? Were you discussing that with your work at all? And, and like you were saying, like you were kind of acting like, oh, it's all okay. What was going on? Like looking back on those moments now and seeing it from a different perspective, What can you say to somebody that might be going through a similar situation?
0: Yeah, it's interesting you asked me that, Sarah. This is exactly the reason I talk about it today. I never talked about it back in the day. In fact, I don't think I shared with anyone except my really close friends until I was it um, probably like way into my IVF cycle. Right. And then um, when so when I had my first miscarriage, I had multiple. But the first time I had it, I remember I called my manager. I had a very, very important meeting that day. sir. I was supposed to present to leadership on this thing. And, you know, we'd been preparing. I was, I think, around 10, 11 weeks at the time. Um, I'd not told anyone. And I woke up. I sat in the car at eight o'clock and I was bleeding. And I, somehow I just knew, right, something's wrong. I called my manager and I was bawling. I don't know how he even understood what I was saying. And he said, okay, what do you need? Do you need me to drive you? And in that moment, he became a hero to me, right? His immediate response wasn't anything else except what can I do for you, right? I think in hindsight, we need more men like that in the workforce in so many ways to support women, right? And so um, at the time, I think, my, believe it or not, my first thought when I started bleeding was not oh my gosh, right? I might be losing this baby. It was, gosh, I have that meeting today at 11. What am I going to do? It's just how I was wired at the time, right? That's where my priorities were. It's it's a part of why I think being a mother doesn't hit you until you become a mother. Until then, it's this thing in the background, right? Um, but in any case, I never talked about it at the time, Sarah. And I still remember the day after I miscarried. So two days I rested at home. And day three, um, I was back in the office and um, two days I'd taken sick leave, right? And I was walking out of meeting and a coworker said to me, hey, I heard you were sick. Here you are walking around. Were you just playing hooky? And it just crushed me. And I know he has good intent. He had no idea. Poor guy, right? He's just being playful and joking and being like a good colleague, I guess. And I just shut myself in my room and cried my heart out because it was just too vulnerable, too emotional, too fresh, right? It was like day three. But in any case, I think when I went through it the second time I was talking to a girlfriend about it at the cafeteria at work and she said, oh, I know someone who's going through this. And she introduced me to a friend who was going through IVF at the time. She was ahead of me in the fertility journey. and then that way, I think I just built a tribe of four or five women around me at ExxonMobil, And we would talk to each other. We would crib about like, oh, my back hurts from all the needles. I can't sit in my chair. So I'm going to stand all, you know, just keeping it fun um, like that. So I think when all it took was me sharing with one person and it helped me create the support system. Um, and today I hope that's really what I want to do for women. Uh, all I want to do is talk about it. And if it helps another woman, that's great. And this was when I think I started this around April in 2021, the blog and kicked off those conversations on LinkedIn and, and Instagram. I can't tell you how many messages I received, Sarah, of engineers and just women in STEM in general who say, hey, I'm going through this too. Thank you for talking about it. I'm not ready to talk about it. But the fact that you shared it makes me feel I'm not alone. Um, and that's, that's, that's all I need. <laughs> that's it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're so right. And I think, especially in, you know, like a quote, unquote, like male dominated field, it is a lot harder to find those women to connect with that you're able to be around that relate and understand, and know, like that environment and what that's like. And, you know, Fortunately, like your boss was able to understand, but you know, those things go through our heads like, oh, I have this important meeting today or, oh, I have to get this project deadline done. Like even me with like making sure, you know, things are in place and projects are like rolling and everything's going to be okay when I, oh my gosh, have to take maternity leave. Like, (laughs) it's just, it's such a crazy process that like we think and you know, like we kind of think that we have to prioritize our workload and make sure that everything's like set in place before we can care for ourselves or care for something that needs to be done relating to, you know, motherhood in any sense. I wanted to point out to like finding those women and everything. And for me, I was able to actually find a couple of us like in the postpartum stage of pumping together, like we would pump in a room that like HR had set up for us. But the one girl who had her kid a few months before me, she kind of had to initiate like what was needed in that space, because it was not defined, like nobody had needed that that use before so they were like well what do you need like what needs to go into this like pumping room and then there ended up being I guess about like four of us or so so there was always like somebody else like in the room with you and we had this little divider curtain thing and everything so that we could kind of you know chat and talk about like how you were saying like all the needles and you couldn't sit down and something like that like You know, we were kind of like, oh my gosh, like I'm not making enough milk today or like something like that. And I really feel like, like you said, like just sharing your story and like talking out about what's going on with you. And if you just find like that one person, maybe it's not somebody that you work with directly, but it is somebody who is in a very similar situation as you, then you don't feel alone. You really feel like there's somebody out there who gets it. And I think, you know, you and sharing your story is doing exactly that. And is able to give somebody that permission to reach out and say, like, you know, maybe if if I speak up about this, they might be hiding something, too. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that's like what we need to realize more, that we have more in common with people than we might think. Oh, that's such a beautiful way to put
0: it, for sure. And the... The the episodes that you've put out too, right, Sarah? They're all unique. They're, but there are people. It's I think in one of them you talked about how very rarely do you meet someone who can say I grew up without a mother, right? Or very rarely you meet someone who can say I had childhood trauma. <clears throat> but if um, if someone doesn't say it, how would we even know that? You can reach out to that person. That could be someone sitting right next to you in the workplace, right? And so that vulnerability is so important in the world that we live in. It's okay to talk about these things, right? I think those lines between conventionally what was considered okay to talk about work and not okay to talk about work are blurring. And the only way for us, especially women, to be successful is to blur those lines and more than blur, I think merge those two lives even more. And that can only come by talking about things and being more candid and building that tribe.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, being in such a demanding career and potentially working, you know, 40 plus hours, Mm -hmm. what has that been like in your, you know, even infertility journey, like going through IVF? Like, what was that scheduling like now having two kids? You know like still pursuing your career how have you been able to kind of navigate through all of that?
0: You know none of us are perfect or good at it, right? At least in the beginning. So when I was going through my infertility, you're you're right there's like a million appointments, right? And and they the ovaries don't listen to you. They don't listen to calendars. They, You need to show up whenever they need to show up, right? And so I would get like random calls from the doctor's office that say, you need to show up tomorrow or today at this time. And what are you going to do? Um, so I've had good bosses and bad bosses, right? The good ones where they've just given me that blanket agreement to say, whenever you want, just deliver results. I don't care, right? Do what you need to do. Just make sure your colleagues know, block out your calendar, do what you need to do. I've had bad bosses who have needed to micromanage me and know where I am every single second. And even if I said, for example, I think some of those drugs, um, can be painful right and so I might want to work from the comfort of my couch or my bed with a laptop and then when I show up at work the next day they would want to see what was exactly the work product you produced when you were at home yesterday and that happens for everybody um I don't know if it happens only in STEM, right? It can be anywhere. So at the moment, when I was going through these things, I think I didn't have the professional maturity even, right, to know what's the right thing to say or to handle those situations. Also, because there's so much else going on in the head. But I think today, if someone said something like that to me, "Hmm," they'll get a different response (laughs) than they did back in the day. Um, I think today, a lot of that with two kids and dual career family, both of us at Amazonians, we don't. Think about it, you know, as much in terms of number of hours. uh, We it's fairly simple for us, right? Is it fun or not? If it's fun, we continue to do it. In terms of work, if it's not fun, then we think about maybe we should do something else, right? I think my husband and I look at it in a very, very too simple a lens to look at it from, but that's how we like to look at work. I don't think we've ever sat down and said man, I had to work 60 hours today. I don't think I've ever said that in my life. Even when I was at operations, um, even during turnarounds, right? When you're there like all day, every day, seven days a week. If it was fun, I'll do it. If it's not, I'm out. That's just what works for me. Uh, with our kids, there is an excessive, excessive amount of planning to make sure that everything is continues to be fun. I know it sounds so ironic to do that, but that's just how it works for us, right? Even like when my when my daughter, who's four and a half now, but when she was little, between one and two, two and a half, I would say were the harder parenting moments for us because she was sick a lot at the time. And so every six weeks, my husband and I would have a predicted block on Outlook that says expect sickness. And so we would make sure we don't do like critical meetings in that week. You know, that's just one example of how it works for our family. (laughs) It's super amount of planning. That's all it is.
2: Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Like a lot of the times we don't think excessive planning can create fun but sometimes you know like with both parents working and a lot going on and things like that you know we need to kind of schedule in those things and we need to plan out events or or things that are going on and we need to be really kind of intentional about our time and and managing all of that and i think i don't know if like it applies to you but i think like being an engineer I've very much enjoyed the scheduling and planning (laughs) out things and and really kind of like, okay, we're going to do this at this time and this at that time. And I've sort of let those, you know, stringent, uh, like very strict kind of planning, like drop a little bit because like you have to have that flexibility. But I still very much like I have a planner, I always write Mm -hmm. things in it, you know, like Rosie just went through soccer and things like that. Like, you know, we're expecting those things to progress and and keep up with. And, you know, I really feel like you said too. like, if it's not fun, like we're not going to do it. And I think with me now, in work, I have found such a sweet spot of being able to work from home and being able to have that flexibility to also commit to my family and commit to work. And I do enjoy the work that I do and I I like being an engineer. Like I like to be able to say that I am that and that I can pursue those things. And I also am a mom. <laughs> and I think like that's something that like a lot of people you know, either have like a hard time understanding or comprehending, like when they see me, like I've gotten comments like, oh, like, I thought you were just like a mom or like, I thought like that or like, whatever it may be. And I think like, when those comments come up, it's kind of like, at this point, not as shocking. But it's also like, really, like you, you can't like comprehend that. And like, my husband is an engineer as well. So for both of us, To be in that field and to be like pursuing our careers, plus like having two children, it is something that like I guess isn't so common, but there are people out there doing it.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I hear
0: you. I think um, dual career being engineers is incredibly amazing, in my opinion, because you just get each other, right? You talk the same language. You have a similar analytical brain, a data driven brain, a planning. Brain And so, you know, that 10 minutes that we spend every Sunday planning our week, so we have fun the rest of the time with our kids and at work, both my husband and I appreciate that, right? That's all we need to make sure everything is set in place. And we also tend to block like for the whole year, right? When parenting events are especially with school and which Fridays they're getting. Um, school is ending earlier? Who is picking up on those days? Just because imagine you're at work and you have an important meeting on a Friday um, and you're trying to figure out, well, will this work or not? Or you've booked it already. And then you figure out you can't go because your kid has something. Wouldn't it be wonderful to just know that ahead of time? But that's how I justify the planning that we go through. Uh, When I talk about this there, I notice some people say, well, that's too much, right? Too much excessive planning can kind of take the fun away. But I disagree. I feel like this works in the season of life that we're in now with two young kids and we'll continue doing this as long as it's fun. And I fully agree with what you said about this, You know, people in the society still meeting people like us or women like us and saying, oh, I didn't realize you were a working mother or an engineer, whatever that may be. So I take a lot of pride wherever I go in, in talking about me being a STEM professional, that's why I beat the drum about it so much because we all need to make that noise and let people know it comes in all kind of faces and shapes and sizes and, and genders and cultures and so on. Right. It's, yeah. it's, um, um, it's interesting when my daughter has play dates and she has girls who come home I, I tend to talk to them about STEM. Right, tell them some simple things that are science and fun. And my friends would make fun of me, like, "Oh, come on!" But I'm like, "But start them early. They have to hear <laughs> at this age." Um, yes. um, It's it's amazing. Even like small things when we're giving the kids a bath, my husband and I would talk about, "Oh, here is a balloon. What if you filled it with air? And now you filled it with water. When do you think it gets bigger?" Right. Simple things like that. Um, we have fun out of both of us being STEM professions. We like it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And so like, what would you say to somebody who maybe is pursuing their career in STEM and they're also thinking about being a mom and they're kind of like, well, how would I navigate both? Or maybe, you know, they're five years into their career or so and they're looking to start a family and now they're questioning like, am I going to be able to continue in this career and also have a family? Like, what were some things that were kind of like, going through your head or things that really helped you continue to stay in the field.
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. So I recently I was in the Amazon office and I ran into a, a VP that I really look up to in the restroom and I asked her, "Did you ever did you ever think twice when you were offered the role of a VP if you should take this or not?" And she said never. And she's, you know, a mom of two kids. At the time, her kids were probably in middle school. She said never. I looked at it as an opportunity that came my way. I said yes, because I wanted this. This was my ambition. And then I knew I had a strong support system in the house where I could go back and talk about how would we make it work. right? And that's in a way, that's exactly how I think about it, too, Sarah is you, I think these questions that we ask ourselves, these doubts that we all have, can I do this? Will my career get impacted when I have a baby? Will having a baby be impacted if I grow in my career? How do these two work together with with each other? These questions are normal and natural, especially for us as women. I don't think I've ever heard a guy say, my gosh, can I be a dad and have a career? I mean, maybe they have it in their head. Nobody says it out loud, but as women, we say it all the time. Why is that? right? It's not real. It's all in our heads. It's in what society has conditioned us to believe for millions of years. So I I would say to any woman going through this, just do it. There's no other way around it, right? Just do it. Surround yourself with people who support you, with family and friends who will be there for you. I, I have this thing, it takes a village, right? Sarah, you and I both know this, right? Having raised kids, I have this thing where I have a person in my life that can help me with unique things. Like I have someone I would go to if I just wanted to crib about something. Um, It could be anything, right? I have someone I would go to if I want to understand how to handle a child's behavior, right? How I could do better or brainstorm. I have a girlfriend I would go to if I wanted to talk about What do I do if my child is sick, right? How do I manage work? And, you know, there's just people around you who have such a rich experience. We just need to talk to them or even share with them and tap into that expertise around us or maybe listen to Sarah's podcast.
2: (laughs) 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 I mean, Uh, I think, you know, it is one of those other things that are like those like silent things that we don't talk about. And I think we're questioning it more anybody else and especially like our work like you know they're probably like okay yeah like take off like you you deserve that and then and then come back like when you're ready and stuff and I think we're the ones thinking like oh if we take off like we're gonna look be looked at differently or we're gonna miss something important or we're gonna get set back like you know like we're beating ourselves up more about these like questions that are running through our heads than is actually going to be implied. Like if we say, you know, our kid is sick, I need to leave to go pick them up or, you know, like I need to stay home or or whatnot for the day. I think, you know, we run through these things thinking our work is going to penalize us for that. But in reality, at least, at least I think it is getting, you know, better. And like you said, Mm -hmm. like you could have like bad bosses, you can have good bosses, things like that if they're understanding, especially if they're a parent themselves, I feel like they're going to be able to understand even more. It's going to be okay. Like that meeting that you need to go to is if somebody else can come like take over and, and it will work out or you can reschedule it. You know, I think we have to understand that like work is a priority, but family is a priority too. And it can be balanced. And I think you know more people are evaluating that and more people are accommodating to you know women in the workforce and and wanting to keep us there because i think we really have come a long way like you said like with your daughter and her friends and you're sharing like like stem activities and things and stuff with them like we want girls to see that it's a possibility and i think the more women that stay in the workforce and have families and are able to really amplify that are going to be able to show that it is possible. We can have those things. We can keep pursuing the career if that's what we want.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I want to say two things on what you just said, Sarah. One is you're so right about everything is in our heads, right? So when my daughter was born... I already knew I had a bit of a setback in my career during my infertility phase, right? And so I came back to work in 11 weeks thinking, oh my gosh, just like you said, I have to be back and do this work and do that work, right? Well, I had my son, I took off for six months. I was like, I don't care. You'll be fine, ExxonMobil. I'm going away (laughs) for six months. Um, I'll be back. So you're right. It's all in our heads.
2: But yeah, I mean, with my first, like I only took off nine weeks because I was only allowed The eight weeks I had a cesarean, and then I took an extra week of vacation. And that I felt like, you know, was a good amount of time, but I could have taken off longer and it would have been the same thing. Like it would would have still been there. Like Mm -hmm. it still would have existed. Like I could have returned back to things, but I felt that, you know, work guilt in a sense of like, I have to prove. That I'm a good employee. Like, I have to, and even now, you know, like exhaustion, like in the first trimester, or like I'm sure when you were going through treatments and stuff, you were saying like some are like harder than others. And like just having like a sick day to yourself or something and giving yourself that permission to take that time to really just relax and understand like what your body is going through and tell yourself like it's okay to take that break. And If they don't understand, then like maybe that isn't the job for you. That's
0: right. That's (laughs) right. It's time to move on. We don't think we have the power, but we do, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if anything, I've learned in my career, it's that I'm a talent. I mean, not that I'm talented. I mean, like you, anyone, right? All of us, we're a talent. We go anywhere that we want. Whatever place keeps the fun alive and makes us happy. There's there's no point in wasting time anywhere that you're unhappy or just feeling. about showing up at work i just remember the other thing i wanted to say Sarah. the second thing i wanted to say is about this choice between career and family a lot of times you see these conversations around i love my job but my family is always my number one priority right i tend to think about it differently and that ends up being an unpopular opinion sometimes for me as a woman especially in our generation where we're trying to drive this massive change My career and my family are both my priorities. Why shouldn't they be? One doesn't come at the expense of the other. Both need to learn to blend and work harmoniously. And that's what I'm always working towards. That's what my husband's always working towards, right? And so it's, I think it was, it's easy to say, and it's the obvious answer, right? You will not hear anyone saying, my career is more important to me than my family. I mean, at least not out loud. They might be thinking it in their head. Um, But... um, (laughs) I don't believe I have to choose one over the other. I, I think I can have both, and women can have both. If that's what you want, that's okay. Sometimes I meet women, especially younger women, earlier in their career where they might they almost feel guilty about saying that. Why should they be? It's okay to have both, right? You are entitled to have both. You worked hard to get to this point. Going through a STEM curriculum in college and in grad school, it's not easy we worked very hard to get where we did. And so why not enjoy it? Why not make the best of it?
2: Yeah, like you said, I think, you know, we are able to have both. And I think the more women that do push for that and do pursue that are going to be examples of that that is possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what it comes down to just seeing, you know, more people doing it and showing that it is. Possible allows for people to normalize it and see it for themselves.
0: For sure. For sure. And it's okay also to be a woman who says, I've had it. I need some time off. I'm going to take a break, right? Whether it's, I mean, I don't think we ever take a break from being a mom. So if we have to save ourselves, right, for our own mental or physical or emotional health, it has to be some time away from work, whether it's a short leave, like you said, or just quitting for a couple of years whatever it is right it works right you have the choice right we live in different times and it's really up upon us to show that we have this power to show that we can make these brave choices and that's totally okay
2: yeah yeah i think we have a lot more flexibility and a lot more of that choice now than you know women in the past may have and you know i'm excited to see where it's going to progress into you know like you hear like oh he's a good family man and good working like dad and things like that and like I'm ready to just hear like that about all the moms and that like we can manage it all and it's not just like assumed that oh yeah of course like you're doing that stuff for your kid like you're the mom like you know like we can have our career and have our children. And our husbands can help with that too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. You know,
0: I joke with my friends, that picture that went viral of the Bumble CEO ringing the bell in New York, right? With her baby, I think one-year-old son on her. That should be a non-conversation. That's the kind of picture that I don't want going viral in the world, right? Or the leader at Spanx with her pregnancy. I think it was all over my LinkedIn feed. And I don't want to see that anymore. That's the world I want to be in where that's normal. It's cool right? You did this. It's fine. Um, That's normal. Women now just achieve great things. It's like one other thing that's going on. It's not unique anymore. That would be awesome.
2: Yeah. You know, like sometimes like I get kind of like, how do you do it all? Or like, you know, like, oh, like you're like a superhero mom to be able to like be working full time and have a family and do it. And it's like, yeah, like, okay. It's like a great accomplishment. But we're not saying that to the men. We're not saying like, wow, look at you with your full time job and two kids. (laughs) uh, You know, like, it's just it's such a crazy, like, phenomenon that's kind of like going on. And like, I think it should be praised. And like, you know, every accomplishment is like good. But at the same time, yeah, like, it needs to be normalized in the sense of like, well, why can't that happen?
0: For sure, for sure. And we live in such crazy times. And my dad was visiting me from India, and we were talking about how being a parent in my and your generation is very different from being a parent in their generation. There's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more stress on us, on our kids. It's just a different time that we live in, right? The rules are all so different. And so I feel like anyone who is a parent, who is an equal parent in a family, um. With, with children and managing a career needs a standing ovation, <laughs> no matter who that is, right? Whether you're a mom or a dad or whoever you may be, if you're a parent um, and you're a dual career family and you're doing your best, you need a standing ovation. We just live in a different time. It's crazy land.
2: <laughs> yeah. Do you have any final piece of advice or things that, you know, maybe you wish you would have heard when you were starting your motherhood journey? that you can kind of like look back on now and say like this is what needs to be more talked about or or something that you would have liked to have heard when you were going through that
0: yeah I think I want to say two things one specifically around infertility right the more like I said the more noise we make around it the better the world will be for our peers and Um, For the generations to come. And I think there's enough science to show that that aspect of human life is only getting worse with time, right? Infertility and everything that's happening in our biology, because of the times that we live in. And so uh, please talk about it is, is what I... Tell everyone um, if you're going through it, reach out to someone, right? And if you're a leader, I always think about it in terms of what can everyone in the society and in the workplace do, right? Everybody has a role to play. As an individual, what can you do? As leaders, what can you do? As colleagues, what can you do? So I talk about some of it in my blog, and I have a book chapter that I recently wrote where we specifically just talk about infertility and leadership um, and how we can, how the two need to work together to support women. So the only thing I want to say to anyone listening who's a leader in an organization and you know you have a man or a woman in your organization going through infertility, please remind them of what they were they are capable of because they have forgotten it. Right? I'm sure you have talked about what their career will be like, what their plans will be like for the next short-term and long-term Please remind them of of their awesomeness, right? And what they set out to do in, and achieve in their careers. I think that can go a long way. I wish someone did that for me, Sarah, uh, because I definitely forgot. I definitely questioned myself. What I um when I when I was going through my infertility, like I said, I had a PhD, right? I'd I'd presented at over twenty conferences. I had ten peer reviewed publications. None of that mattered. In my head, I was just this infertile person. None of my accomplishments mattered, but I wish someone had reminded me of them outside of my husband and you know my close friends because when they do it, you feel like they're just doing it to as a pick me up for you. But I think if someone did that in the workplace, especially a leader, that would have really helped me out. Secondly, I think on my blog, I am compiling a hundred stem stories, and my goal is to compile a hundred stem infertility stories by April, 2023, which is National Infertility Awareness Week. And so if you know anyone who is experiencing infertility or you are someone, um going through it yourself, please reach out to me. You can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Priya Santanam. You can also find me on Instagram, a scientist engineer mom, um, or go to my blog, scientistengineermom.org. Uh, it can be anonymous. So you'll see on the blog, there are a lot of anonymous stories. Like I said, there's not a lot of comfort in talking about it, especially when you're going through it or it's too fresh in your mind. That's okay. But reading that story can be so helpful to someone else. So so please reach out and share your stories. I, Sarah, I'm realizing over time, I've set like a super ambitious goal for myself. It, some days it's just sad. I feel like I don't know if I can ever get the hundred stories I want to showcase, but um, maybe. I believe maybe. in you.
2: I do. Maybe. I think, you know, they, they are out there. And like you said, like even being able to be anonymous and like if you feel like, you know, even if I think a lot of the times we underestimate the power of our story and we think like oh it's not that important or oh it's just something that happened to me like maybe it was just like a small miscarriage that like happened once and they're like you know playing it off like it wasn't a big deal but like i think every story is important no matter if you think it's small or big or not like no matter what and i think in sharing it we're really able to relate and have that feeling of not being alone. So, you know, if you're out there and you're listening and you have something that's even like remotely relating to this, reach out to you and, and really just, just share what you have and what you have to say. So I don't think it's a big ambitious, I mean, it's going to be amazing and awesome, but like, I think you will find those people. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. so I think sarah's out there oh god <laughs> i was gonna Sorry, say I, was... I think they're out there it's gonna it's gonna happen
0: looking forward to it i hope so so these are my final parting words every story is important i'll just steal sarah's words because they're so <laughs> profound totally makes sense every story is important yeah. yes
2: yeah i think and i think like when we take the time to really listen to somebody else's story we can learn so much from it for sure so you know thank you for sharing a little bit of your story today and really just giving an insight on on everything that you've been through and being a woman in stem being a mom in stem and and really just advocating for everything Mm -hmm. Thank
0: you, Sarah. Thank you for giving me this platform. More power to you. You're doing such incredible work. Like I said, episode 18, everybody, please go and listen. (laughs) It's so beautiful. All right. Thank you,
2: Sarah. Thank you. It was
1: awesome talking to you. Thank you. Well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience. You can also now find us on Instagram and Facebook at Entering Motherhood.